everyone, welcome to mini episode 85 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. I would like to thank Annie Thorpe, Caroline Coughlin, Claire Eastwood, Karen Hobart, Liz Michael, Dawn Burnett, Kerry Davies, Danny O'Shea, Amy Chapman, Richard Harris, Wendy Gervin Potier, Alina Newvenin, Christine West, Janine Moffat, Terry Tablante, Grace Filer, Zachary Chizinski, Hannah Benbo, Natasha Lura, and Carol Pucci. Thank you so much for subscribing to our Patreon. I appreciate it every day and I'm so grateful to every single one of you. And I have six listener stories for you today and the last story comes from August the 13th, 2020. And story number one comes from John. When I was young, around eight years old, I was shot in the back twice. I was coming from a park and gangbangers shot at each other and I was hit. I was alone in the street. A man knelt next to me and told me that I would be okay. I passed out and woke up in the hospital two days later, and I've dreamt of this man for years. In my dreams, he's always asking me if we are friends, and I always say yes. The dreams were always good. Then one night, he asked, as usual, if we were friends, and I said, forever. That's when he took his socks off, and I was in shock. He didn't have regular feet. He had a cow's leg on one side and a chicken's leg on the other. This was the devil. He said that I should have died that night when I was shot, but he saved me so we could be friends. He has come to me in my dreams often since then. He tells me things about the meaning of life, where we go when we die, and so much other information. And story number two comes from Ariel. It was the day of my 8th birthday, and it had been a wonderful day. My parents set up a fun party at a candle pin bowling place. We cleaned up a bit afterwards so as not to be completely rude to the workers there and then we left. My dad got in the car and my mom was making sure that I buckled my seatbelt when I saw a woman. She was standing on a small black metal balcony that was jutting from one of the windows of the building we had just left. What was peculiar was that the window was bricked up and all that was left of it was a vague outline. I couldn't figure out how she got there. It was several stories up so she couldn't have climbed. Not only that, she was wearing a Victorian style dress. I could easily make out the dark green colour of it. Her clothing struck me as odd even though being eight I couldn't place exactly why. To top it all off, She kept glancing behind her and looked absolutely frantic. It was like someone was chasing her and she was considering jumping. I took my attention away from the woman only for a moment to ask my mom if she saw her. She said she didn't see anyone and neither did my dad. And when I turned back, the woman was gone. There wasn't anywhere she could have disappeared to. I spent the rest of that ride trying to figure out where she had gone and what I had seen. My mom still remembers me insisting that there was a woman there to this day. 
We looked up some information about the building and it turns out it was built in the 1600s and has been used for multiple purposes throughout its time. Unfortunately, we couldn't find out anything more than that. My second story is about my grandma. She died about a year ago, right after I started a new job as the assistant manager of a large shoe store. The week of her funeral, I was kneeling down, carefully merchandising the shoes by style and colour. I had my head in one of the large cabinets that we store the shoe boxes in and thought I saw a woman out of the corner of my eye. My first instinct was to ignore this because there were benches placed all over the store for customers. But as I continued with my work and watched her, I noticed that she was older and had the same haircut as my grandmother. She was wearing the same floral sweater and striped pants that my grandmother always loved. When I finally turned my head to look at her, it was of course my grandmother. She was sitting on a bench and smiling as she watched me. I blinked several times, thinking that what I was seeing couldn't possibly be true. And after a moment or two, she disappeared. She and my grandfather used to run a large retail store selling parochial school uniforms. My best guess would be that even though I wasn't particularly close to my grandmother, she wanted to check in on me anyway. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that I was working retail like she used to. Or perhaps she visited me because she died before I could really explain my new job to her. In the end, I'm not completely sure what I saw or why. And story number three comes from Julie. I'm a teacher in Colorado. Each year, the fifth graders at my school have the opportunity to go to the mountains and stay in cabins for two nights. I'd always wanted to go on this trip, and about eight years ago, I was finally given the chance. The first night, I had two girls who got sick and got their clothes dirty. Fortunately, the main lodge has washing machines, so early the next morning, I got up so I could go and wash their clothes. The wash machines are located in the basement of the main lodge. In this basement there were computer desks and adult bathrooms, and there was also a cat. It was about six in the morning when I went to the basement to wash the girls' clothes and take a shower. Because it was six in the morning I was completely alone in the basement. I put the clothes in the wash machine and then went to take my shower. Afterwards I walked back to the laundry room to put the clothes in the dryer. Walking from the bathroom to the laundry room, No one was there. All the computers were off and I was completely alone except for the cat. I must have been in the laundry room for less than two minutes putting the clothes in the dryer. When I came out of the room, I was startled to see a man sitting in a chair at one of the desks. He couldn't have been more than 12 feet away from me. His back was to me and he was clearly working on the computer. He wore a baseball cap and I could see the glow of the computer. I was a bit startled because I didn't hear him come down or turn the computer on. It's an old wooden lodge and everything creaks, so you do hear every footstep throughout the place. He didn't say a word, and being pretty shy myself, I didn't say anything either. I stood there, feeling a little awkward, when the friendly cat came up to me and started rolling around at my feet. I knelt down to pet the cat for maybe 15 seconds and when I stood up, the man was gone. It was as if he had never even been there. The computer was off and the chair was in exactly the same position. 
There's absolutely no way he could have gotten up and left without me seeing or hearing him. He was just gone. The funny thing is, I wasn't even scared. I was amazed. I know that I saw some sort of ghost that morning. The cat seemed to have been used to him since he didn't even react. Since that trip, I've been back several times with several other groups of children. I've always hoped to see the ghost again. I go down to the basement early in the morning in the hopes of seeing him, but no such luck. Maybe next year. And story number four comes from Cheyenne. My best friend and I were discussing your podcast, and we wanted to share some stories of things that have happened while we were with each other. I'm not sure if these things are tied to one of us, or maybe our energy when we're together but we have a few things that have happened to us both that we still haven't figured out. The first story happened about a year ago, and I made a post on my Instagram which I still have on my profile, so the details are as accurate as the day they happened and I posted about it. This bit is straight from my Instagram post. I slept over at my best friend Megan's house last night, and we went to bed around 4am after staying up super late talking and having a couple of drinks which we do often. Side note, she lives with her boyfriend but whenever I spend the night he offers to let me sleep with her in the bed and he sleeps on the sofa. Always the gentleman. I specifically remember we both plugged our phones into two separate chargers and put them on our bedside table and we woke up at around 10am today. I randomly checked my call log today when I got home and found all these calls between our phones at 5 and 6 in the morning when we were both asleep, and we both can't think of a logical explanation for this. The weird part is, there are both missed calls and answered calls, as well as incoming and outgoing FaceTime video and audio calls between both phones. Her phone showed the same calls incoming and outgoing as mine. Even creepier, it shows that I text her saying, I'm on my way, at five in the morning when I was literally knocked out next to her in the same bed. I thought this could be explained by my iPhone's autofill feature when you type OMW and it fills in the whole sentence. But my phone autofills on my way exclamation mark. I literally just tested this theory as I typed this out on the same phone. I still don't know how to explain this as we each have different mobile carriers and this wouldn't be explained by some sort of glitch with the carrier. And that's the end of the Instagram post. We were both pretty freaked out and spent a good hour on the phone that day trying to debunk this. I realise it's a possibility that her boyfriend played a prank on us, but he's not the type, and he was genuinely super creeped out by this as well. We've also heard knocks on the wall outside when we were hanging out on the back patio at night that have sounded like they were right next to us but no one was there. We've thought that her house might be haunted, as a family member did pass away in the house and Megan has had other weird sleep paralysis type experiences here. Or maybe there's some type of energy we attract as a pair. This brings me to my next story, and why I think these energies might be attached to her or maybe the both of us. We went on a girls trip with a few of our friends to New Orleans for Mardi Gras, right before the pandemic hit. We stayed at an Airbnb about 10 minutes away from the French Quarter. Naturally, Megan and I shared a bed off the living room and our friends paired off into the additional bedrooms. We didn't feel any weird energy in the house, 
other than this creepy little door high up on the wall in the living room, which also happens to be above mine and Megan's room. It seemed to be an attic or a crawl space of some sort. We all laughed and joked that a duende, which is a Mexican gnome or goblin, or something along those lines probably lived up there, but other than that we didn't pay much attention to it. On our first night before bed, I pin-curled my hair and pinned it up into a scarf so I could style it the next day. I always look pretty silly when I do this, and it may seem insignificant, but it's a detail I need to include. We were pretty tired from travelling, so we spent the night mainly settling into the Airbnb and would start our Mardi Gras festivities the next day. Megan and I went to bed with the door closed, and a couple of our girlfriends stayed up quietly chatting in the living room so as not to disturb us. In the middle of the night, I woke up to someone creaking open the door with half of their body and arm in the doorway, standing above the bed and taking a photo with the flash. My side of the bed was right next to the door. I distinctly remember the sound of the shutter on the phone, because it's the sound all iPhones make when you take a photo. I was pretty tired. I couldn't really see who it was through the flash in the dark. I reached my hand up to block my eyes, clearly annoyed that this bright-ass flash was in my face, shrugged it off and rolled over towards Megan with my back to the door and went back to sleep. I figured it was just one of our friends still awake and being dumb and taking pictures of us sleeping, especially because I looked really stupid in my pin curls and my headscarf. The next morning, we woke up pretty early to get ready and I told Megan that one of our dumbass friends was taking pictures of us sleeping. She laughed and rolled her eyes but thought nothing of it. When everyone else woke up, we lightheartedly confronted them and asked to see the stupid picture. All of our friends looked really confused and really freaked out because none of them took this photo and all they said was that they'd gone to bed 10 minutes after we did. They even let us look through their camera rolls since we were in disbelief and there was nothing. Nothing creepy happened for the rest of the trip and we all tried not to think about the possibility of an intruder or anything spooky since we were stuck in that house for a week. We're all pretty close and to this day whenever we bring it up they swear they didn't come into the room and take pictures of us sleeping. Even now I still can't help but think about that stupid tiny door above our room and what or who was up there in the space above. And story number five comes from Morgan. It all started when I was around six or seven. My grandparents had just started renting a very old house in Mooresville, Indiana. I believe it was built in 1906 or so. It was small, but I have lots of good memories in that house. My parents are divorced and I lived with my dad, but every other weekend I went to my grandparents' house. During that time, I'd get to visit with my mom. A lot of what follows I only have vague memories of until my grandmother confirmed what I thought I had seen and felt in the house. One day she was dusting around the living room. I remember watching her wipe off the TV. She left the room to get a drink from the kitchen and curious youngster that I was, I went to look at the TV. No real reason, I guess I was just drawn to it. But even though she had just cleaned the screen, I could see a partial handprint. But one that was just bigger than my hand. Being so young, I didn't really think anything of it, but my grandmother had seen them too. Other times she had cleaned it. 
During my childhood, I would notice things at our house. Just odd things that I wouldn't pay much heed to. Probably because that saint of a woman downplayed things when I would mention them until I got older. I would hear noises at night. Ones that would be loud enough to wake me up and wander the house trying to figure out what they were. At the time, my grandmother worked the graveyard shift at the nursing home a town over. I also started to notice that when she left, a heavy sense of loneliness would settle on the house. But when she came home in the morning, the familiar warmth would return. That lonely feeling would get so bad some nights that I couldn't sleep. And my uncle, who also lived there, couldn't sleep either. I started getting into the paranormal in my early teens. My grandmother always warned me to be careful, don't make God angry, and don't play with Ouija boards. So I mostly just watched ghost adventures and read books about haunted places. Then my uncle suffered a partial possession. My grandpa worked for a motel at the time, cleaning out unused rooms and doing general maintenance. In one of the rooms, he found a box of random junk. He gave it to my uncle to look through, and in that box was a candle in a jar. Just a plain white candle in a mason jar, unscented. He picked it up to light it one day, and he said a stinging pain went up his arm and it went numb. My grandma made him chuck it into the woods nearby. He didn't regain full use of his arm for about a week. My grandma said she would hear him talking loudly or arguing in his room. But she would realise that she had the only phone in the house. And that he would pace, acting weirdly aggressive and irritated for a few weeks until he left the house for a few days. And that's when things from my childhood started to click into place for me. The house never really felt the same after that. Back at home, my boyfriend at the time had passed away under horrific circumstances when I was 15. This is a little less scary, but I would feel his presence almost constantly because I think he knew I was very depressed. He would show his presence by causing a warm breeze around me when there was no explanation for a breeze. Things at home got really rough, so I moved out when I turned 18. I moved in with my grandma and my mom and my brother, in the same house that I had had all those experiences in. While still so many good memories were there, things were different. I still heard noises, and I watched my mom's steady decline to pills and booze while she stayed in my uncle's old room. There was also a feeling of being constantly watched. Things would go missing, only to reappear a week later in a place I knew I had checked. I spent a lot of time in my room, so I didn't know how they would go missing. In the summer of 2011, I met my fiancé and finished my high school career. We found out we were pregnant, and what was left of my deceased ex's spirit disappeared. Like he was at peace because I was happy again. We then made a few moves and ended up moving in with some friends of ours. Both things that happened here, I was alone. I was sitting on the couch playing on my computer when the front door across from me burst open. Shortly after, the computer room doors to the left of the front door banged open. And I just sat there flabbergasted. One night, our roommates had left to go to the gym. I'd gone downstairs to use the bathroom when I heard big heavy bootsteps walk through the kitchen and use the sink for a few seconds and then walk out of the kitchen. 
Quite confused, I did my business and hurried out to see who was home, only to realise that no one was there. I asked them later if they had come back, and they said that they had gone straight to the gym. We moved again into our own place. Shortly after, my sister-in-law and her boyfriend had fallen on hard times, so we let them move in. After we'd gone to bed one night, my sister-in-law knocked on our door. She was very concerned about our daughter, almost three, who was yelling in her room. I turned the monitor on and she was saying, Shut up, I have to go to sleep. Be quiet, I'll get in trouble. So I went in and asked her who she was talking to. And she just said, The dragon. She pointed to her closet, but I didn't see anything. I closed it and she slept with us that night. As long as we kept the closet door closed, she slept fine. We had a temporary falling out at my sister-in-law and we all moved out. We found a new place in Bloomington and the landlord decided not to mention that it was haunted. Weird, random things would happen like handprints on the mirrors in the master bedroom. Nobody else's hands fit them and the mirrors would streak like crazy when I tried to clean them. In the same bathroom, I could see the mirrors from the shower. I was home alone and saw a shadow like someone had just walked in. My stomach felt uneasy, but when I checked, there was no one there. At that time, my fiancé worked nights, so bedtime was crazy when it was just me with two kids. I would hear toys go off in my son's room every once in a while, but I knew he was asleep because we had a video monitor. Toys that had been silent all day. I was sleeping one night and awoke to the sound of children's feet running towards my room. I figured my daughter would open the door and climb into bed with me, which she often did, but the door never opened and they were both still fast asleep. Our home was hit by a tornado in the summer of 2019. My fiancé's employer set us up in a temporary rental for a couple of months until we could find a new place. This house felt a bit strange, but not too strange. We stayed in the basement while the kids slept upstairs on the main floor. The door to our room would come open often in the night and I couldn't recreate it. And one stormy night, I awoke to hear a very loud crack of thunder which shook the whole house. And the light above the basement stairs was on. Groggy from sleep, I went up to check the kids and realised the switch for that light didn't work when we moved in. We tried every switch just to see where they went to, and we couldn't find that one. We moved out shortly afterwards, and after a year of living in our current home, nothing has happened so far. After my uncle's incident, I felt like something has been following me until we moved here, often bringing bad luck with it. Maybe it's finally gone. Sorry for the longevity, but I just had to share my life experiences. And story number six comes from Misty. Let me preface this by explaining that my siblings and I have had various encounters with paranormal things throughout our lives, together and separately. My maternal grandmother, Grandma C, once told me that we all have different degrees of what she referred to as the sight. I honestly don't see things as much as I used to. I spent a long time learning to block things out, to close doors, so to speak. I have become pickier about who I share events with because people either think you're a bit crazy or expect you to be like a cold seer in the sixth sense. Spoiler alert, I'm not. 
I can relate more to the girl in the story about the Baker Hotel in episode 25. Like, I just want to nope out when I actually see any of them. I'm not your girl if you're trying to make peace with or get in touch with someone from the other side. What I can do, aside from the occasional sighting or physical encounter, is more of a sense. I feel the energy, like I can tell if it was male or female, adult or child, and even in some cases their intent. I also get phantom smells. What really gets me, though, are the dreams. I guess I lucid dream and I always have. I find that when a dream starts going bad or dark that I can steer it in a different direction or just wake up. With these two following dreams in particular, I couldn't do that. I was not in control at all. These are what I'm going to share with you now. I know it's probably strange that I can recall these dreams in perfect detail considering one happened when I was six and the other happened when I was 13. I'm now 35. I hate dreaming about my family members. And here is why. I'd fallen asleep on the couch waiting for my older cousin Eric to come home. I loved and idolised Eric very much. He was more like an older brother to me. He was in high school, 17 years old, and never made me feel like I was uncool or bothersome, even as he started hanging out with a new crowd and getting into trouble at school. In this dream of mine, he came home and was very, very late. What woke up my dream self was him shutting the door and the clicking of the lock sliding into place. Eric came over and sat on the couch, carefully keeping the left side of his face from me, and he apologised. I asked him what was wrong and he told me to be brave and take care of my siblings, that he loved me and he had to go because he messed up badly. He couldn't stay and I wouldn't see him again for a very long time. I kept pestering him as to why, telling him that my dad and his mum could always fix it. He assured me that they couldn't, and told me that it is just the way it has to be. He kissed my forehead, said goodbye and headed to the kitchen. A short while later, the whole house was woken by a knocking at the door. We learned that Eric was no longer with us, that there had been a tragic accident. When I was older, I learned that he had been at a party with some older friends who were in a gang. We lived in Phoenix, Arizona at this time, and gangs were pretty bad in the area where we resided. It was decided that the newer recruits would play Russian roulette as an initiation into the group. I guess to test their bravery, I'm not sure. All I do know is that Eric was the unlucky one who took the bullet. The next dream occurred when I was 13. It involved my maternal grandmother, Grandma C., who I had not seen or spoken to in three years at this point. We had moved from Arizona to Florida due to circumstances outside of our control. I dreamed that I was at the beach, and I was alone for a moment. The Gulf of Mexico was calm, almost glass. I could hear the gentle lapping of the waves against the shoreline, and the calls of the seagulls. I could feel the sugary white sand between my toes. It was early morning, the lovely pale blue sky was just waking up and puffy clouds spread out and reflected on the dark blue water. I heard my name. I turned and Grandma C was making her way towards me. She joined me at the shore. We were quiet for a long time just taking in nature and enjoying each other's company. After a while she told me that she came to say goodbye 
and she was sorry about the things my siblings and I have had to endure. I brushed it aside. It wasn't her fault. She told me that it is going to get worse before it gets better and to be strong. My current path would not be an easy one, oftentimes dark, but it would be worth it. I reached into my pocket, producing this lovely rainbow pattern scarf, and handed it to her. She took it, hugged me, and then made her way down the beach. I stood there watching her until she was out of sight, and then I woke up. A week later, I was riding with my paternal grandmother, and she told me that my grandma C had called her on Friday to tell her about a dream she had involving me, and perfectly described the dream that I just described to you but without the message. I'd told no one, not even written it in my journal. I'd learned at this point that some people were unnerved by these experiences. Then my paternal grandmother told me that my Aunt Sharon called her this morning to tell her that my Grandma C had passed away the night before. She had been fighting breast cancer and lost the battle. I like to think that it was Grandma C's way of letting me know and validating my experiences. Just for the record, my teenage years were not great. I did try to commit suicide at one point. It was so bad and I did not see the point of going on. I learned that the unexplained and the paranormal could never be as terrifying as things that your fellow humans can do. My grandma C was right though. Surviving was worth it. I am in a much better place physically and mentally. I have a wonderful husband and a beautiful two-year-old son. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to John, Ariel, Julie, Cheyenne, Morgan and Misty for sending in your stories. Just to remind you that the last story was from August the 13th, 2020. If you want to send your own spooky story in, you can do so by sending it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you next week.